Turn with me, please, this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. We begin on a new series we're calling Mercy Over Judgment. Mercy Over Judgment. And uh, I'm convinced the things that we'll be touching on are very, very significant and uh, provide answers to some questions that are in great need of answers. Why some things are happening, why there have been some problems and issues. The scripture says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. This is New Testament. So can you give the devil place? You can. What does it mean to give him place? Well, gives him entrance into your affairs. Gives him access to you and your life. What's he going to do if he gets entrance and access to you? He's going to steal from you. He's going to kill things. He's going to destroy things. Or... Christians, right now, I'm talking about right now today, are there Christians all over the country and world that are experiencing destruction in their lives and are being stolen from? Yeah, and things are being killed. Yes, yes. Is that the perfect will of God? No. No. Does it please God? No. Well, we need to know why this is happening and how it's happening and what we can do to stop giving access And stop giving place. If the Bible said neither give place to the devil. Resist him and he'll flee. Then that means we don't have to give him place. We can stop the access. And I believe what we're dealing with right now. Is a big part of that. In Matthew 7. Verse 1. Let's pray and release faith. The teacher is not. Brother Keith. Teachers, the Holy Spirit. Father, we agree together as touching this, and we ask you for utterance right now. Today and throughout this series, we're asking you for light that we may see and, and understand. We're asking you for answers, direction, and help for right now. Anything that we've thought wrong about, Uh, give us the understanding, we pray. Anything that you showed us that we let slip or or let get away from us, please remind us. Bring it to us again. And show us how. Everybody said out loud, show us how, Lord. To stop access of the enemy to our lives. How to give him no place and resist him in Jesus' name. Amen. In, uh, let me just say this, this is not necessarily what we're going to be spending a lot of time on, but one way you give place to the enemy is condemnation. And he's such a conniving, lying, deceptive one. People, especially in our circles, word and faith so-called, you got people that, a lot of folks that feel bad Because they're dealing with something. They feel condemned. Because they still have symptoms. 
or because the money hadn't come in yet or they hadn't reached this particular goal. Well, not realizing, if you're even trying to resist the enemy and believe God, making an effort to do it, you're doing better than probably 90% of the planet. That's not even trying. They don't care. If you're even if you're fighting a good faith fight at all, you're doing so much better than most of the planet, right? And and don't believe lies. Well, you know the enemy. What he tries to do is is, is give you the impression. Well, everybody else has got this except you. I mean, they wouldn't. And these, these faith preachers and these other folks, they wouldn't be messing with that like you are. They'd have, they'd have kicked that in the head a long time ago. That's just not true. Everybody has dealt with things. And everybody is dealing with things. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody is dealing with things. And uh, do you know what pleases God? When you finally get all those symptoms gone, he'll be pleased. Because it's symptom free that pleases him. Getting all the money in. Getting, getting your debts paid off. And, I mean, when, when that finally happens, God's going to be pleased. No, he's pleased with your faith. And if you're in faith about it right now, before you see it and feel it, he's pleased with you. Right now, before anything else happens, because he's looking at your heart. He's not going to jump up and down over a few dollars. <laughs> he creates stars, right? I mean, he's not, it's not going to shock him that some symptoms changed. You know what pleases him? You standing up, overcoming contradictions. Not being moved by your feelings and saying, God, I believe you. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I'm believing you. I'm holding on to you. Your word is right. I'm holding to your will. Then he's pleased with you right now. You believe that? Get rid of the condemnation. It's a trick of the enemy. Because if you're feeling bad because you hadn't accomplished this thing or seen all this thing yet, It's a trick of the enemy. That condemnation actually undermines your faith from getting you there. It's a trick. It's a trick. Anybody glad you're alive? Huh? You're glad you can have faith. Yeah. We, We should be so thankful and happy that we're doing as good as we are. And people that look like their life is perfect and they've arrived, that's just folks you don't know. That's just people you don't know anything about. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, I assure you, you spend enough time around them, you're going to begin to realize, well, they got issues too. They're dealing with stuff too. Everybody is. Being a faith person doesn't assure that you have no attacks, no issues. What it does assure is that you overcome. Hallelujah. He always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. That's what it means. We're overcomers. We don't lay down and quit. We just keep on keeping on. Right? 
And he does not fail us. He, he holds us. He keeps us. And he brings us through and over. By faith, we overcome. In Judge, excuse me, uh, Matthew 7, 1. Jesus said, Judge not. What did Jesus say? Don't judge. Judge not. We might say, don't judge. Just stop right there. Who said it? Did he make any exceptions? Except for. (laughs) Just what? Just don't judge. Look at your neighbor. Help him out. Say, don't judge. judge. At all. all. Anybody. Anybody. Ever. (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) Now, the next part, I think, is a part that has been missed. Uh, He could say a lot of things. I mean, you could say it's wrong to judge, it's bad to judge, this or that. But that's not what he said. Why did he say don't judge? Huh? Read the rest of it. Why? Why? That don't judge in order that or so that you you be not judged. You won't be judged. Well, what if you judge? Well, verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, the way you do it, the degree you do it, it shall be measured to you again. If you judge, you will be judged. Is this true? Yeah. Is it true right now? Yeah. With us, yeah. New Testament believers. It's not something uh, that people necessarily spend a lot of time on. Most any Christian would agree with you, yeah, don't judge. But their main thing they'll emphasize is don't judge me. Don't. Just don't. (laughs) But he didn't say emphasize to other people, don't judge you. He said what? You don't judge. Why? So that you won't be judged. What happens if we get judged? Is it bad? Do we care? Does it matter? It matters more than most folks know. We're actually touching some big things. Some big issues in Christianity. Can a Christian be judged in this life? Yeah, there's examples of it. And like we said, there's a lot of things happening we know shouldn't be happening in believers' lives. How's it happening? There's a lot of things the enemy's doing. How's he able to do it? Why is he able to do it? We talked about that in some detail uh, last Sunday. If you weren't with us, let me encourage you to go back and, and get that. won't cost you anything. And, and catch up with us. It's important. Very important. But keep reading here. Verse 3. Why and why? So this is connected with what he just got through saying. And why beholdest thou the mote? That is in thy brother's eye. But considerest not the beam. That is in thine own eye. This is. A graphic. Illustration of judging. Now one of the big things we need. 
is mind renewal to what judging is. Because even though most all Christians would agree with you, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. That's bad. Yet, if you said something to them about a specific situation later in the day, don't judge, what would many of them tell you? Oh, I'm not judging. I'm not judging them. I'm just... And it could be a dozen different things or a hundred different things. So to hear people explain it, really there's hardly anybody judging. Which would make you wonder why the Lord said this. <laughs> Unless people are judging, but they're not calling it that. They're calling it something else and they're deceived. So would you believe with me that we get our eyes opened up to see when we are judging? Come on, ask it right now. Say, Father God, I believe your word. Your word is right. And this has to be an issue. And I'm asking you, open my eyes, alert me. When I have judged, if I'm about to judge, alert me to it. Help me to realize it and see it. And by your help, I'll stop it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, you will see an answer to that prayer. You will. The Lord's going to help us. And the question is, when he does, will we respond correctly to it? There needs to be times where we don't argue about if we were judging, we just repent. I was judging. You need to say it out loud. I was. Forgive me. That's not my place. Forgive me for judging. And when you begin to see it, you begin to see there's a lot more of it been going on than what you thought. Back at Raymond Bible Training Center, I had the opportunity to teach a course on submission and authority and humility and pride and those things. And it, it all was together. And I had, uh, it was a second year. So the first year guys didn't get it. And so I'd see some of them all along during the course of the years. And, and they'd say, oh, Brother Keith, I'm so excited to get to your class on on those things. That's always been an interest of mine and a subject, you know, and, and, uh, and they'd tell me, you know, submission's always been easy for me. <laughs> and uh, I know, I just smile because I know immediately they don't know a thing in the world about it. <laughs> submission is not easy for anybody by nature what it is. No, sir, no, ma'am. If you think submission is easy, you don't know what it is. <laughs> and, uh, then others would talk about, you know, uh, how much they uh, were interested in finding out about pride and humility. And it's always one of their favorite things. And, and then I'd get them. <laughs> and we'd be in class for those, uh, what is it, eight weeks or whatever it was. And uh, more than once, I don't know how many times they'd come to me afterward and go, Brother Keith, you know, I never used to have any trouble with pride till I took your class. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have trouble with stuff you just yield to. It's when you start dealing with it that you realize how much of the ugly stuff is there. 
It's kind of like habits. You say, well, I can quit this anytime I want to. Show us. <laughs> right? And you, you get an awakening when you start dealing with it that there's a whole lot more flesh there than you wanted to admit. Amen. Well, this is the same way. How many would believe there's a whole lot of judging going on? And it's not for us to judge other people that they're judging. It's for us to look right in the mirror and take care of ourselves. Why beholdest thou the mote that's in your brother's eye, but consider not the beam that's in your own eye? Verse 4. How will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye. This is a graphic picture of judging. You say, you got something in your eye. You got something in you. Do you, you do, I'm telling you. You got something in your eye. And it's, it's something you don't need. Something, a problem in your eye. <laughs> and they got this little speck. And you got this giant thing. <laughs> and you are acting oblivious to this. Like it's not even there. And like you are moat free, beam free. <laughs> and therefore are on the mission to get everybody delivered from moats. <laughs> I have a moat ministry. <laughs> and got a beam problem. <laughs> you wish you had a moat problem. Their little problem is nothing to compare. But what about the person that's not as blind as you? And they said, yeah, I know I got this little moat, but what about that four by four? <laughs> Cross your head. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't judge me. <laughs> but that nasty little moat, we got to deal with that. We see something about the central nature of judging. It involves hypocrisy and blindness and deception. In order to judge, you have to be a hypocrite. You have to act hypocritically, dishonestly, in order to judge. In fact, the Lord gave me this phrase some months ago when I was pondering this and I didn't start thinking about this last week. Some months ago, the Lord gave me this phrase. Honesty will eliminate all judging. Honesty will eliminate all judging. If you are aware of this beam, this huge problem in your life, you're not going to be coming down on somebody else for their tiny problem. You have to be hypocritical about the issues in your own life. You have to act like they're not there when you know they are there. And just because you haven't told them or to everybody or you may assume they don't know them, still you know them. How will you say to your brother, let me pull that moat out of your eye. 
Now you'll see that a big part of judging is fault finding. This moat is a fault, a problem, and we found it. And a lot of people are, are proud, which is another problem, of their spiritual sensitivity and discernment to detect faults in others. I'm picking up these problems about you. My moat detector is, is, is going off. <laughs> well, how about you turn that thing on yourself? See what you pick up. None of us are called to be Holy Ghost police. None of us are called to detect faults and judge. None of us. Well, we're doing good now, aren't we? We're making good progress now. He said, verse 5, what does it say? You... Hypocrite, first cast the beam out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to cast out the moat out of your brother's eye. And if you did that, and the Lord could use you to help your brother with his moat, speck, then uh, wouldn't you come across with a completely different attitude? If somebody came and said, man, I got a speck. Could you help me with this speck? You say, hey, I just got through getting a beam out of my life. Your your little speck ain't nothing to what I just got free from. Absolutely, I can help you. But there's none of this looking down on and judging and condemning. That's just being a hypocrite. Isn't it? In Luke 6, 27, says it this way. Well, excuse me, 37. Luke 6, 37, says it this way. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Whatever you do with them, God's going to do with you. Is that right? We're going to get into this in some detail later, I think. But uh, if you won't forgive them, God won't forgive you. Am I quoting scripture? If you condemn them, you will be condemned. If you judge them, you will be judged. Whatever we do with each other is what's going to happen to us. And really, if you back off and look at it, that's just fair. I said, that's fair. That's fair. Now, we should define judging here, technically. What is judging? If you look at the words that are translated judge, they basically mean to decide. To decide. And uh, we know what a judge is. We have judges in our courts, in our land. We have judges uh, that deal with, you know, all manner of cases. But one thing you need to realize, he's not talking about a judge and a jury. This is not trial by jury. This is trial by judge. 
The judge makes the decision and pronounces the sentence. It's all the judge. And there are judges in smaller courts that do this right now. And in other countries, there are judges that do that in big things. There is no jury. And uh, it literally means to decide, to determine, to decide. To decide what? Well, whether they're guilty or not. Guilty of breaking the law. Guilty of doing wrong. And whether they deserve punishment or not. The judge decides according to the law, according to the facts of the case, if this person is guilty and has broken the law and did do those things. And then the judge goes on and passes sentence for the crime. And God tells us what? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't decide whether they're guilty or not. And don't decide whether they should be punished or not. That's not your place. That's not my place. Watch for terminology. Well, they're wrong. I'm telling you, they are just wrong. Hold up. You decided something. Well, what about what they did? That's another thing. And we're going to be touching on that later. But judging them, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's quiet in here. What are you saying? They missed God. Did they now? Who decided that? <laughs> you decided. They missed God. They're wrong. They're wrong. You made a decision. And it is absolute freedom and liberty when you realize I don't have to make a decision about them. It's freedom. Not only do I not have to, I'm not supposed to. Right? What about what they did? What about this? What about that? Who said you had to decide? Are you the umpire? Do you have to call them? In or out? Safe or out? Do you have, do you have to call it? Was it good or not good? Do you have to call it? If you do, who made you? The umpire. Who made you? What qualifies you to call it? There, there are some really important things here, aren't there? How many think if we, I won't, I won't say if, when we get this right, it'll change our lives. It'll change our relationships. One of the big problems between people and between husbands and wives and between friends and between fellow ministers and co-workers judging each other. Judging each other. To decide whether they're guilty or innocent. And determine and pronounce their guilt. And or their punishment. 
Somebody said out loud, I don't do that. That's not my place. Now, uh, go with me, please, to the book of James. James chapter 2. I know we're not running the aisles right now. But how many know spiritually you need to be fed some things other than just tater chips and ice cream? And uh, some things you don't just swallow down, sip down, meat. You have to chew on it. Is that right? You have to chew on it. Some of these things you need to chew on. And chew on this afternoon, chew on tomorrow. And if it's right and it's good, go ahead and chew it till you swallow it. Right? And it becomes a part of you. And who, whose benefit is this far that Jesus said, don't judge? Yours. Why? So that you won't be judged. In James 2, I'm excited about this. Three people are too. <laughs> Come on now, how many would like to slam the door on the devil's nose in your life and not give him any room to maneuver in your life? Would you like that? That's what we're talking about here. You're not excited about that? I'm excited. Glory to God. We're going to kick the devil out of our business. Right? That's what's happening. God's good to us. Chapter 2, James, verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that wears the gay clothing, and say to him, sit thou here in a good place, And say to the poor, stand uh, over there and sit here under my footstool. He doesn't get a chair. (laughs) Are you not then partial in yourselves and you have become what? You have become judges of evil thoughts. Now, this subject comes up all through the book of James. If you're interested in learning more about judging, just read the book of James. Chapters 1 through 5. I mean, it's, it's in virtually every chapter. He talks a lot about it. And here he gives a specific example of judging. Other translations say it like this. The Young's literal says, You didn't judge fully in yourselves, and you did become ill-reasoning judges. Your reasoning is wrong and off. The Amplified says, verse 4, Are you not discriminating among your own and becoming critics and judges with wrong motives? You're doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason. Your motive is wrong. Why would you do that? Let's just stop right here. Why would you do that? Somebody comes in. We think they got money. And so we put them in the best place. And we treat them special. Somebody else comes in. Maybe they've been coming to the church and been faithful. But we move them back and put them out. (laughs) 
Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because you think you might get some money. They might do something for you. Because they got it. These other guys don't have any, so no need treating them special. You've become a judge. Your reasoning is wrong. Thinking is wrong. And your motive is wrong. Your motive is wrong. <laughs> I had a, a fellow friend of mine that was telling me he's got a large church. And uh, uh, he had some celebrities in his church. And somebody was asking him and, and he just smiled and didn't say much about it. And, and when we went off, off by ourselves doing something else, he said, I tell you what, that handful of celebrities has caused me more trouble <laughs> than 200 of any of the other people in the church. He said, it's not worth it. But that's beside the point, too. Who said these people were more important than these people? That's the issue. And most people would agree and say, yeah, I wish these folks would. Quit talking about these folks. Have you ever done that? Bring it right by here, right by here. Have you ever looked at somebody or some group of people? Don't raise your hand. And in your mind, categorize them as more or less important. Now, on the other hand, you can go the other way with this. You can go, yeah, I I don't have any use for those rich people. And you can slight them and treat them like they're less important because they have something. That's wrong, too. Isn't it? That's wrong too. Because I don't care if they're a billionaire. They need Jesus just as much as anybody else. Is that right? There is no difference. And it's pretty soon their billions ain't going to mean a thing. They ain't going to take it with them. You know? But you shouldn't do things with the motive of I might get something from them. Now everybody knows preachers shouldn't do that. But what about you? Right? I mean, it's not a different set of rules for preachers than for everybody else's. Truth is truth. That includes your customers, your friends. Is that right? Your acquaintances. You want to do what the Lord does with you to do, no matter what they have or don't have or do. Or don't do, and most everybody would agree with that, but do you know how often that does not happen in this world we live in? People are making exceptions. And they are making decisions about this and that. He said, our Amplified says, are you not discriminating among your own and become critics and judges with wrong motives? The, the New Century Version says, what are you doing? You're making some people more important than others. And with evil thoughts, you're deciding that one person is better. That's judging. Easy to read says, doesn't this show that you think some people are more important than others? You set yourselves up as judges, judges who make bad decisions. 
Jesus was accused and the leaders of the Jews found fault with him and they gave him a name, friend of sinners. You remember that? They said he eats with sinners. He hangs out with sinners. One, one fellow told him, don't you know who this woman is that's touching you? If you were a prophet, you had any discernment about you, you'd know, you'd know what? You'd know what a, a lousy, low-life human being she is, is what he's trying to say. And Jesus looked at him and said, you know, when I came in here, you didn't ask me if I need to wash my hands. You didn't ask, give me any water to wash my feet. And this woman has washed my feet with her tears. Dried him with her hair. See, did this man that thinks he's so superior to this woman who maybe has been on the street. Has he got a plank in his eye? But he considers himself superior to her. And why? Well, I'm not, I haven't done all that base stuff that they've done. And here, watch out for this phrase. And I would never, I would never, let me give you a flash. You already have. No, I have not. Well, the Bible says you have. I would never do that. We need to keep reading. Jesus, what does it mean he fellowship with sinners? What does that mean? It does not mean he participated with them in their sin. Because in him, the Bible said, was no sin. Right? He never sinned. So whatever vices or junk, they, if they're, they're sinners. That's what do sinners do. Sin. sin. Sin is things that are wrong. So these people just came from doing something wrong. Or did something wrong last night. Or last week. Wrong things. Bad things. And here they are. Sitting at the table. With Jesus. And he's passing them a biscuit. If they say come on Jesus. Me and you buds now. Let's go rob a bank this afternoon. Is he going to do it? Is he going to get involved with some of their sexual vices? Or is he going to lie? Is he going? No, he's not going to do that. And yet. And yet. He could sit with them at the table. Talk with them. And not make them feel like a heel. Not make them feel like they were nothing. And he is the most pure. He is the holiest. Is that right? He is spotless. Lamb of God. And yet he could be around you and you be the biggest mess up and be in the dregs of nastiness and sin. And he would not make you feel like you're nothing. He would not make you feel like you were unimportant, 
are too far gone, you would enjoy being around him. Hallelujah. And the only way that would happen is if he didn't judge you. I said he didn't judge you. I said that he didn't judge you. He's not sitting there glaring at you. Going, I know what you did. Come in here to the table. Acting like it's okay. I know what you did. Friends, if we walk with the Lord and get close to him, our awareness of all kind of things will increase. But that doesn't, just because we're aware of something in somebody else's life, does not mean we need to say one thing about it. Most of the time, people already know. They are well aware of how they're messing up. And whether they want to admit it or not, they feel bad about it. And they know it's wrong. And it's not going to help them for you to point it out. You got something in your eye. You got something in your life. You got something in your life. And these folks that protest and, and, and hold signs and, and preach that God hates these people and God hates these people and, and all they preach is judgment. Man, what they don't know is they are setting themselves up for judgment. Aren't they? God don't hate these people. He might hate what they've done. Come on, is everybody listening? Now this, this is significant. He might hate what they've done, but he still loves them. I said he still loves them, and they're still valuable to him. So valuable. He paid the highest price that's ever been paid to get them and you. We've got to separate those two things. Judging what they did from judging them. It's not the same. This will answer some questions for us later. Keep reading here. He said, verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him? Maybe your money is not where you'd like for it to be today. But I tell you what, I wouldn't trade being born again and knowing God for all the trillions in the world. Would you? Would you? No. I'm rich. Right now. Is that right? Already got my mansion. They're working on it in heaven. Is that right? Right now. Anything you'd have down here is going to be temporary anyway. That's permanent. I don't have to work to get rich. I am. I am. I'm a child of the king. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to rule and reign with him as a king. Rich. You talk about rich. I am. I am. Right now. 
why am I saying that? Then why should I be in such awe of somebody that's got some money down here? Why should I kowtow around them and, and show them all kind of favoritism? Why? When you don't know them or what you know you don't like, but you act phony. Why? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Come on, help me out. Why would you do that? Because you think you might get some of it. (laughs) And in the vast majority of cases, I can help you out right now. You ain't. (laughs) They're not going to do anything for you. (laughs) I'm convinced, you know, the Lord's blessed us. He's blessed these churches. He's blessed this ministry. I'm thankful for it. I believe it's going to get much bigger. I believe we're going to have big resources to reach the world. To send more and more word to other peoples and tribes and tongues and languages. It's going to take a lot of money. We're going to have it. The Lord's already told us money's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem. But I'm convinced of this. We've had to pass some tests to get to where we are now. And you'll have to pass tests to go further. I'm not claiming Phyllis and I have always done everything perfectly. But I I can look back and see a few things. There's been more than one occasion where people had the appearance of big money or actually were big money. I'm talking about being there. And they paid us some attention and even implied that they would do things for us. And there came a point where we had to make up our mind They're not our source. And they're never going to be. And there's some people that didn't understand that. There's some folks that talked about doing some things for us. This was several years ago when we first started the church at Branson there. And we we met and talked and we said, well, thank you for your interest in us. And we, you know, you'll be polite, be gracious. And, but that's it. You leave and you go, well, Lord, Lord, that's between you and them. My thinking is if the Lord deals with you to do something, you should do it. Period. Period. If he doesn't deal with you, okay, that's between you and him. But uh, a lot of situations like that, folks don't operate that way. So then they wanted information and they wanted this and they wanted that and the other. They wanted to really get in our business. And we found out later that they had uh, gotten too much into some other people's business and and controlled some things, took some things. Uh, You know, uh, like one fellow said, uh, let me tell you what the golden rule is. Whoever's got the gold got the rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this life, uh, you got to watch out about that. Because things come with strings. And so Phyllis had asked me about it. I, and sometimes I'm out on the road. Sometimes I said, no. Should I give them this? I said, no. Should I let them do this? I said, no. 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 What about this? Simple. If the Lord told him to do something, do it. If not, don't. Right? But it was obvious they were wanting a lot from us. And finally, one of the representatives came to Phyllis and said, uh, do you not understand who this is and what they can do for you? And they could take care of all your problems from now on. And boy, that, I said the wrong thing to Phyllis. And it's saying the wrong thing to me. Why? She said, they're not our source. You've got to get settled in that. Is that right? 
They're not my source. The bank's not my source. Come on, are you listening? This job's not my source. This customer's not my source. We haven't digressed. If you get this settled, it will deliver you from playing favorites and being a judge and being phony. It'll deliver you. It'll deliver you. It'll also deliver you from begging. Believers are not beggars. If you're begging, you ain't believing. I'm telling you that. You don't have to. I said you don't have to. Because who's my source? Come on, who's my source? Not man. Man's not my source. God's my source. And when that's real to you, you quit begging. Didn't the psalmist say, I've been young and now I'm old. But this I have never seen. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed of begging for bread. Come on, somebody say, I'm not a beggar. I don't, I'm not a beggar. I don't have to beg. God's my source. If it doesn't come that way, it'll come another way. Even if God dealt with them and they choose not to do it, that's not the end of it. He can use somebody else. Is that right? And that's not my job, who he deals with and how it comes. I just, I obey him. I stay close to him. I hold on to him. He's going to take care of me. Hallelujah. Had a person call me. This has happened more than once. To say, you know, we're going to sow a big seed to your ministry. Big amount. And I said, well, praise God. Wonderful, thank you. And I went out about my business, and one of them got a hold of Phyllis later and said he didn't act all that excited. And uh, and of course they wanted to meet and they wanted to do this, and uh, and we said no, no. To do what? Yeah, but they're so and so. Okay, but I got a meeting. Hmm. They might think, dummy, you going to preach to people that don't have money? I got money. Well, then call me a dummy then, because I went. And, uh, well, would you do this? Would you do that? No. No, why? If the Lord does with you to do something, just do it. If he doesn't, then don't. Is this right or not? And, you know, that, that big amount they said they were going to give, that was what, 15, 20 years ago? I ain't seen a penny of that. None of that's ever come in. And yet, we've had what we need. It has come in. Hallelujah. It has come in. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. He said, you've despised the poor. Verse 5, has not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom which he's promised to them that love him? But you've despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Some of these guys, he said. These rich people, they've done you wrong. They took you to court. They sued you. They took your stuff in the community. And they're going to come into church. You're going to give them a good seat. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Who are these people? Just because there's something in this world doesn't mean there's anything in the kingdom. Is that right? And in the kingdom, we should honor kingdom accomplishment. 
Not ungodly, worldly stuff. They might be the biggest movie star. They might be the biggest, you know, they might be ultra rich because of this or that. That doesn't make you anything to God. Now, it doesn't mean you're nothing either. Right? You are valuable. You are loved. But you're not a big wig and above other people because you did something in the world. So just because somebody's important. No, we, I'm not saying we wouldn't try to help them. And some people have problems with the public and this and that. We would do some things depending on what the Lord led us to do. But we're not going to give people a place. We're not going to turn things over to them. I tell you who I am going to do stuff for. Fathers in the faith. People that have labored for 60 years in gospel. Come on, are you listening to me? I'm going to give them a seat up front. Is that right? No, I don't need to know how much money they got. Got nothing to do with it. You honor the kingdom things. But see, they, he said, you have judged, you've distinguished between peoples and their relative values and their comparative importance. It is the sin of superiority, this judging. You have to act like you got nothing in your life to come down on somebody for the speck in their eye. And it's hypocritical because you got the beam in yours. Keep reading. Keep reading. He said, don't they blaspheme, verse 7, the worthy name by which you're called? I don't care who you are in the world. If you got no respect for my Jesus, <laughs> you and I are not buds. Right? I mean, I, I love you, and I'm not going to treat you like you're nothing either, but until you got some respect for him, it's going to be tough for us to do much fellowship. Verse 8, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's talking about valuing them as much as you value yourself. You do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now this is the thing we, we need revelation on. Beware of categorizing of peoples and beware of categorizing of sin. Well, now, you know, yeah, I've done that, but that's just a little light sin. You know, that ain't that bad. But, oh, that, now, that's a big one. That's a big one. And I'm not like that. Yeah, I've done some of these little things, but, but that's a bad one. And I'm, what are you saying? I'm superior to that, to them. And I'd never do that. Well, if you keep one point and offend in another, you keep all the rest of it, but you offend in one point. He said you're guilty of what? Of all of it. Why? The spirit of it is the same. I would never do that. You already have. How could they do such a thing? Don't act dumb. You know how. You've done it. <laughs> now, now see when you get here. Even though we've said that a couple of times now. A lot of folks are thinking. No. I wouldn't do that. And you never have to. But 
you have done some things that are of the same nature. And if you to act like you haven't is to deceive yourself and be a hypocrite. He gives an example. Verse 11. He that said do not commit adultery said also do not kill. Now if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. Should you brag that you didn't commit adultery when you killed somebody this morning? (laughs) Well, i tell you one thing. I didn't commit adultery. (laughs) Now, we're laughing, but this is happening right and left. I said, it's happening right and left. Well, I ain't no adulterer, I'll tell you that. And I would never. Oh, yeah, I killed that guy. He had that coming. But I ain't no lousy, stinking adulterer. (laughs) So, as a murderer, what makes you superior to an adulterer? At least they're still breathing. (laughs) Come on, are y'all with me or not? As a murderer, what makes you superior to an adulterer? Yeah, but I would never, I would never, i tell you what adulterers are the scum of the earth. <laughs> what about that guy you killed? Well, he had it coming. <laughs> Friend of mine in ministry, he came from a real rough background. And he got saved, I mean rough, rough, street rough. And uh, he got saved, been saved for years in the ministry. Well, his brother got saved. A while after that, and he was as rough or rougher than he was, he got saved. Hallelujah. He's helping him in the ministry some. So he was getting his brother to take a vehicle with him, and they're going somewhere, and they got on the interstate, and they took off and going down. And this Yahoo come driving through acting crazy and cut him off and went ahead of and cut his brother off and run him off the road. And, and he said to the guy in the car, oh, no. Oh, no. And sure enough, his brother peddled that thing and got it back out in the road and caught that guy and ran him off in the ditch and drug him out of the car and gave him a beat down. Yeah. He said, I knew it. I knew it. So they're racing to catch up with him. And they finally got up there and the guy's laying down, you know, he's down on the ground bleeding. And he looked at him, he said, called his name, he said, man, and he said, the guy was smiling. His brother smiling. He said, what are you smiling about? He said, he said, I got mad. He said, but I didn't even cuss. (laughs) I I didn't, not one cuss word. He said, well, you hit the guy. He said, well, he had that coming. He should have (laughs) known. But I didn't cuss. Can you see what we're talking about, saints? This feeling of superiority, because I haven't done that. And yet you have, if you'll be honest, you have done something just as bad. Or some people might call it worse. But it's not for us to categorize sin. You know, people get upset with Adam and Eve. Adam, Eve. 
You blew it for everybody. <laughs> you, you, if it wasn't for you guys, we'd be living in the Garden of Eden. Oh, really? Would you now? Would you now? What did they do? What did they do? They didn't do what God told them to do. They yielded to temptation. Have you ever yielded to temptation? Then if it would have been you, you'd have messed it up for us. Is that right? Have you ever yielded to temptation? Have you ever ignored what you knew was right? Yeah, you know you have. Well, that's what they did. And any sin you want to talk about is exactly the same in in nature. People knew what to do. They ignored it. They overrode their, what they knew was right. They yielded to their flesh. They yielded to temptation. How could they do it? You know exactly how they could do it. You've done it too many times. Now, I didn't do that. Yeah, but you did the same thing in nature, in spirit. How can a murderer feel superior to an adulterer? Well, only by being a hypocrite. Somebody say, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to judge myself. I'm not going to judge others. You see this. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians 11, please, in closing. These, you, this keeps cropping up in the scriptures. One of our texts is here in 1 Corinthians 11 for this series. One we just got through referring to about judging yourself. But do you remember the setting? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. In this that I declare to you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What they were calling church, what they were calling a service, what they were calling the Lord's Supper, he said is not the Lord's Supper. And you'd be better off not doing what you're doing. And he describes it. For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat in, or to drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then he goes on to talk about the body of Christ. Do you see the same thing was happening here at the church of Corinth that he's talking about in James? They were dividing into groups, the haves and the ones that didn't have. And people were feasting over here in this group, and these guys didn't have enough to eat. But why? Why? Because they're not part of this table. And it turns out they're not rightly discerning the body of Christ. Why? What is the body of Christ? Not a church building. It's the people. Right? And if the Lord would sit with them 
and break bread with them and not make them feel inferior and less, why would you? And that's why he winds up saying down here in, in the latter part of the chapter, verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Now we're getting some insight. They're having physical problems. Christians are having physical problems and being weak and sickly. And Christians sleep means to die. They're dying prematurely. And what is he connecting it with? Judging your brother. Judging your brother. Treating people as inferior. Acting superior. The Lord said in one of the prophets, he said, these, these folks that say, don't come close to me, I'm holier than you. He said, they're stenching my nostrils. <laughs> God thinks they stink. I don't want God to think I stink. Do you? That you're going, ho. You know, like the, the, the man that prayed, the, the, the Pharisee that said, oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I fast, I pray, I tithe. I'm so thankful I'm not like this publican. God said, that that stinks to me. That stinks in my nose. Why? It's such hypocrisy. In a very real sense, we are all in the same big boat. Is that right? Come on, I want to see a show of hands on this now. How many in here know and will admit you have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Come on, you have failed. You've made mistakes. Will anybody else that you want to talk about, that's what they did. Same thing. Yeah, but I didn't do that. Yeah, but you did that. (laughs) I didn't cuss. (laughs) Doesn't make you superior. To somebody who did. Because you did something. He said. For if. Verse 31. We would judge ourselves. This is some of the best news you ever heard in your life friend. If what? Not judge our brother. Don't do that. Do. Do this. What? We're going to quit judging them. And we're going to start judging ourselves. Not so we can be condemned, but so we can be justified and not judged. Is that right? If we judge ourselves, is this New Testament? Is Corinthians for us? This is for us. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What does it mean when you're not judged? Well, the thing, he, he just got through referring to a couple of things, being sick, being weakly, and dying prematurely. Yes. He just got through referring to those three things. I mean, it'd be worth it just for that. So when somebody presses you, corners you, wants to get you to talk about somebody, about what they did, what they didn't do, how wrong it is, how bad they are, how wrong they are. Tiss, tiss. Ah. How in the world could they do such a thing? 
You hypocrite. You know exactly how they can do such a thing. You've done such things. I ain't never done that. Yeah, you have. In spirit. You have. People start pushing you. And I'm telling you, it's spiritual. It'll pull on. I don't care who you are, how long you've walked with God. Phyllis and I were talking. We, we were in a situation not too long ago. And some folks started talking about some things. And, and we remarked to each other how challenging it was to stay out of it. Yes. And we're supposed to know better. We do know better. But it, it, it's such a pull. Why? Because wrong spirits get involved. And they start pushing you and pulling you. And you know Why? Because they want to get access to you. And if they can get tempt you to judge, then they can get you judged and they can get to you. And what I remind myself of, even when I'm pulled or tempted to talk bad about somebody or find fault with somebody, I need to I remind myself, I enjoy being healed. I just like it a lot. I enjoy feeling good. I really enjoy all the bills being paid. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? Yes. I enjoy it a lot. Amen. So no, I don't have an opinion about that. Amen. And no, I got no, I got no fault to find. If you don't go fault seeking, you won't be fault finding. Right. Stand on your feet, everybody. Lift up your hands. Let's lift up our hearts toward the Lord. Let's thank Him for light. Let's thank him for freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.